Well, good morning, everybody. Like Sarah said, my name is Carolyn Hussey, and I am the Care and Counseling Director here at EPIC, and it is my good pleasure to be with you this morning. So welcome to everybody that is here and everybody online as well. So I want to start off this morning by asking you kind of a funny question. And um, so for those of you who have not been in school for a little while, you're going to have to think back. But for those of you who are still in school, you won't have to think back far at all, maybe just to even last week. When you think about uh, school, were your favorite days the days where it was a test day? No, I didn't have many takers on that one, huh? So when the teacher said something along the lines of, clear off your desk of your papers and your books, take out a pencil, it's time for a? Yep, or pop quiz, right? Do you guys remember that pop quiz? How'd that make your belly feel? Oh. I remember that. I started like sweating in the whole bit. So uh, yeah, that was not my favorite day. I got to be honest. So test days, not my favorite. But the pop quizzes of life, the tests that you go through, the storms of life, that's what our theme is going to be for today. We have been in this Real Faith series, and Trent, the first week, talked about real faith must be defined. The next week was real faith must be personal and passed on. Then real faith must be grounded and grown, and then real faith must be reconsidered. And today's theme is going to be, we're we're talking about real faith must be tested and endure. So when I was thinking about the theme for today, I wanted to share a story from my own life. And what naturally came to mind was when my father was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is a type of brain cancer. And for those of you who don't know about it, it's kind of referred to as the monster. It's a a terrible type of cancer. And his lasted for 31 months, and two and a half short years after my dad had died, my son was diagnosed with cancer. So these are two stories, both of what I wanted to share, Both are stories of storms in my own life, both appropriate for today's theme, but neither are what God wanted me to share with you. Strange, right? Instead, the Lord put on my heart a story that that is a little more private, a story about forgiveness, a story about internal struggle, and as you can imagine, one that I was a bit reluctant to share. Sometimes when we have these kind of stories in our lives, it's like, um, I think I'm going to take a pass on that one, Lord. (laughs) I'd rather not share that because those are stories that reveal a little bit of the ugliness of the inside of us because it's more of the struggle and ones that you can't kind of or you don't want to really share. But that's what I feel like God wanted me to share with you. That this is a story that lasted actually 10 years of my life. And so I was invited to a women's retreat, and the interesting part about this is this women's retreat was at the church that I grew up in, but it wasn't currently the church that I was attending. So I felt a little funny about it, and two different women invited me to go to this retreat, and I, so my curiosity was piqued. So at first I was like, thanks, but no thanks. I don't think that that's really appropriate that I would go to a different retreat that I, you know, at a church that I don't really attend, but so I, I think I'm gonna say no. But when a second woman invited me and said, I really think God wants you to be there, I made it a matter of prayer. And when I prayed about it, I did feel like, yes, I think I'm supposed to go to that. So this was a period of time in my life where I was really trying to grow in my faith and my faith was actually growing. And what I mean by that is I was spending a lot of time reading the Bible. And prior to that, 
I really struggled in the Bible. I would read and fall asleep. I don't know if any of you relate. Oh yeah, I heard an oh yeah. Okay, so I would read and be like, kind of like, I'm really trying, Lord, and I'd be sleeping. And then, um, or I would just not really understand what I was reading. So I made it a matter of prayer. Like, God, if I'm supposed to love the Bible and I'm supposed to really love your word, then help me because I don't. And he helped me, he answered that prayer. And so I actually was reading and understanding and really enjoying it. And then I was praying and believe it or not, not falling asleep while I was doing it. So that, that was actually, I was growing in my prayer life and growing in my time in, in God's word. And so I was actually growing in my faith. And so as I went to this, uh, this women's retreat, I was actually going with expectation. Like, I think God wants me there and I think something amazing is gonna happen and something did. It was amazing, it was life-changing. That weekend was amazing. I experienced God in a new way, in ways that I had never experienced him before. So here comes the tail end of the weekend. I'm walking down the hallway and I'm going to the room where two of my friends were staying and I was gonna be traveling home with them. So knock, 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 I knock on the door. I hear, come in, I open the door and there's a circle of women that I'm familiar with that are sitting on the floor. And I wasn't sure if they were just talking or if they were praying, but I, you know, I open the door and an awkward silence comes over the room. So picture this with me. Somebody, mm-hmm, yeah. So I'm like, hi. And I said, I'm sorry, am I interrupting something? And a woman stands up and says, actually you are. And it was one of the, the speakers of the weekend who said that. And I thought, oh, she's gotta be kidding me, that's weird. So I awkwardly giggle and she, no one giggles with me and no one corrects her. And so I think, oh. So I go, oh, I, I'm sorry. And so I start leaving the room. And you can imagine how uncomfortable that was for me. So I leave and I go outside and I sit on a bench. And by the way, this is when I was still living in Connecticut and it was early December, so it is lightly snowing. And I start praying and I say, God, what was that? And what do I do? Because I'm supposed to get in a car with these two women and I have no idea what I'm supposed to say. And I feel the Lord speak to my heart and say to, to me, I want you to lay down your rights for the sake of this friend. And my initial reaction is, you have got to be kidding me. And I say, are, Lord, are you serious? And he speaks to my heart again and says, I want you to lay down your rights for the sake of this friend. And in that moment, I had two choices. Was I gonna obey what the Lord was requiring of me? Or was I gonna respond to how I was feeling and respond to my emotions and give them a piece of my mind? I chose to obey the Lord, as difficult as that was, and I will share the rest of that story in a little bit, so bear with me. And my bottom line thought for today is, a faith that is tested and endures can weather the storms of life. So the scripture that we're going to be going to today is one that is familiar with people, oftentimes, that are not even familiar with God's word or the Bible, because people sometimes will say uh, sayings like, I'm not God, I've never walked on water. Has anybody ever heard sayings like that before? Yeah, so, so Jesus walks on water, 
And Peter, one of the disciples, does with him as well. And that's a scripture that we're going to be talking about today. But before that part of the scripture, I want to set the scene for what happens right before that. Jesus had gotten terrible news of the death of one of his relatives called John the Baptist. And he was very close with John the Baptist. Their moms were pregnant at the same time. And John the Baptist was actually the one who had baptized Jesus. So John the Baptist's death was gruesome. It was a terrible death. He was actually beheaded. And when Jesus had gotten this news, you can imagine how sad he was. He was grieving the loss of his relative and his friend. And scripture tells us that he got into a boat and wanted to go to a solitary place to be by himself to grieve this loss. And so he gets in a boat and he's going away by himself. And it says he sees the crowd following him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw that happening, I would think in my flesh, I would go, you have got to be kidding me. What are they doing? I don't want to be around people right now. But that is not what scripture tells me is Jesus's response. His response is compassion. It says he sees the crowd and he had compassion on them. And so when he gets to the other side, he heals people, he meets their needs, and when the disciples wanted to send the crowd of hungry people away, Jesus miraculously feeds 5,000, what scripture says is men, not counting women and children, which would have been about 15 to 20,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish. So he miraculously feeds all of these people. That is what he does when he was mourning the loss of a close relative. Incredible, right? This is the kind of Jesus that we love. Amen is right. So that's what had happened just prior to this scripture. So now we're going to read Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, which says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. So just picture this scene with me. And when he did this, he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray, and later that night he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Who here loves Peter in this scripture? I love him. I can't get enough of him. I cannot wait. Honestly, when I read stuff like this, I'm like, I cannot wait to meet this guy. To me, there is such a relatability to Peter. One minute, he's full of fear. The next minute, he's full of faith. And then just shortly after that, he's doubting. Can anyone else relate to him? Yeah, Yeah, me too. Let's dive a little deeper into this, pun intended. All right, so Peter most likely had just come off of a spiritual high of sorts. 
He had seen uh, people be healed by Jesus. He had seen Jesus feed a ton of people miraculously. He had seen all of this stuff multiply, 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 and feed 15 to 20,000 people. So you can imagine there must have been like a spiritual thrill in the air that these disciples had been feeling when they were sent off into this boat. And so here we are, we come to verse 22, and I want you to pay attention to what this verse says. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Did you catch that? Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. This is our first point. There are times when we are sent into the storm but we're not alone in it. Let's think about that one for a minute. Let it sink in. Jesus sends us into the storm at times. How do you feel about that? I mean, be honest in your, like, just think about it for a second. How do you feel about that? There are times where we're sent into the storm. He sees the storm coming and he still sends us into it. Do we trust him enough? Do I trust him enough with my life that his intentions toward me are good all the time. That even though he knows that the storm is there, I can still be okay in it. So we have an incredible opportunity to hear another story of a time where Jesus sent another person into the storm. This is Ricky Coyne, our local missions director, who's going to be coming out here. His faith was tested and endured in the midst of incredible storms. So please welcome with me Ricky Coyne, our local missions director. Hello, Ricky. Hey, thanks, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that we have this opportunity today. All right, so let's start off by, um, with you telling us briefly about how you came to put your faith in Jesus. Sure, so um, I give a lot of credit to my mother-in-law. Um, she has been relentless in her pursuit of her kids and grandkids and just all her family members for Jesus. And so about 11 years ago, she received an invitation from one of her coworkers to attend their church for Easter service. and. So as it goes, we were all made to go. Um, and I, of course, was not searching for God at that time. Um, but we went and, you know, all right, I'll get a free lunch out of this, if nothing else. And so we go and, and uh, we go in and we sit down and I just sort of cross my arms and slouch down on my chair and just stare at my feet and like waiting for this thing to be over. And so the pastor began and uh, he started by addressing the guests and he said, you know, you were probably brought here against your will. <laughs> you uh, probably were threatened with physical harm or maybe promised a free lunch. <laughs> okay. He says, you know, you're probably sitting there with your arms crossed and <laughs> slouched down in your chair and just waiting for this to be over. And so immediately I tractor beam on the pastor. is like, he's gotta be looking at me. <laughs> and he wasn't, he was looking in a totally different direction. And so I very quietly went across my arms and just sort of wiggled up in my chair and I immediately began to focus on, on his message that day. And, and as most pastors do, he uh, talked about the resurrection and what that means for our faith and, and for our eternity. And I felt like I knew the story, but it, it resonated with me in a whole new way that day. And so we started attending church uh, on a regular basis and 
about a month later, uh, after a message, the pastor gave the opportunity to raise our hands if we wanted to uh, put our faith in Jesus, and I did. And just a few months after that, I was baptized. Wow, that's great. All right, so your faith was then tested in a really big way a few years ago. Uh, Tell us about that and how God used these experiences to build your faith. Wow, yeah, so 2016 started off what would turn out to be the worst year and a half of my life. And so something you need to know about me is I was raised by a single mom, and as many single parents do, they rely on those around them to help uh, raise their kids. And so my grandparents were huge in my life uh, growing up. Um, They helped raise me. They were like a second set of parents. Uh, And so in the summer of 2016, my grandmother unexpectedly passed away. And so we started to walk through that together as a family. Um, It just really wrecked us and and rocked us. And we'd only just begun to come to terms with that and start to move on uh, from that. And just six months later, I was diagnosed with stage three testicular cancer. And it was an emotionally devastating time for us. Um, It was a time full of fear and questions and worry. But God showed up in some really incredible ways during that time. And so I remember one specific example was my wife and I were sitting in an exam room. And so at this point, we know that it's cancer, but we don't know to what extent, you know. Um, So we are sitting in an exam room. I've gone through some blood work and some scans and we're waiting for the specialist to come in and give us the news, uh, you know, the full breakdown of what's going on. And I was so terrified of what he was gonna tell me that I was physically shaking. And so I remember in that moment, I just, I bowed my head and I, I started praying. I said, God, I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know what this doctor's about to tell me. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I don't even know if I'm going to see the other side. But what I do know is that you're in control and that you can do this. And so right now I'm just, I'm giving it all over to you, Lord. And as I was finishing my prayer, I felt this wave of calm come over me. Um, and I immediately stopped trembling. It was so tangible in that moment that it felt like someone had actually laid a blanket over my shoulders. Um, to the point that I actually opened my eyes and I looked at my wife to see if she had put her arms around me and she hadn't. And and so in that moment, I knew that God had put his arms around me and that he was gonna stand with me through this. Um, And so just a month later, I had the first surgery to have the initial tumor removed. And a few weeks after that, I had a, a port put in my chest to undergo chemo. And so just a week into chemo, and I was feeling terrible. Um, I was already losing my hair. I was nauseous all the time. I had no energy. I was feeling depressed. And yet God continued to show up. Um, I can remember just a few weeks into chemo, I'm really, really a mess by then. And I'm sitting in my living room in my reclining chair, listening to music because music's one of the ways that God speaks to me. And the song, Even If, by Mercy Me came on. It was the first time I'd ever heard the song. And I started to listen to the words and I just started to bawl. As I listened to the lyrics, they really resonated with how I was feeling in that moment, emotionally and physically. And yet they also were pointing me back to the one thing that I needed to focus on and that was God. 
And there's a chorus line in the song, and it says, I know you're able, and I know you can, save through the fire with your mighty hand, but even if you don't, my hope is you alone. And that wrecked me. I immediately thought of Jesus in the garden, going before the Father, knowing that he would have to suffer and die for us, and just praying, Father, if it's at all possible, I know that you can take this cup of suffering from me, but I want your will to be done and not mine. And so I think I prayed harder in that moment than I'd ever prayed in my life. Of course, I wanted to be healed and I wanted to come through this um, and be able to be there with my family, and I prayed for that. But more than that, I prayed, Lord, however this turns out, I want your will to shine through this, through this story, through me. And so he showed up in some, a few more cool ways. Uh, one was my sister-in-law started a GoFundMe uh, for us, and I had no faith in that at all. And yet, after being out of work for nearly six months, we were able to walk away from cancer with zero debt. Um, yeah. My, my wife's coworkers started a meal train for us, which was phenomenal. It felt like it went on for months, um, which was great because I did a lot of the cooking. Um, and most days I didn't even feel like standing up. So that was amazing. Um, and so I ventured through three rounds of very intense chemo. Um, we got to the end and I went for one final scan and found that the cancer was gone. Um, and so I started to get my strength back and my hair back, not all of it. Um, <laughs> but things started to look better. And then just three months later, my grandfather, who just the year before had lost his wife of 56 years, um, who had been dealing with some medical issues, was put in a hospice and passed away. And so it just felt like wave after wave after wave was pounding me. And, and even though it felt like I was in the middle of the ocean just getting bombarded by waves and every time I'm, I'd come up for air, I'd take a breath and another wave would hit me, I started to realize that there was grace in the timing and in the order of the waves. And so if my grandmother had not passed before I'd gone through cancer, I would have relied very heavily on my grandparents uh, for support during that time and not on God. And had my grandfather passed before I went through cancer, I wouldn't have had his wisdom and his strength to lean on uh, through that time. And so, you know, God, God does not promise that we won't walk through storms, but he does promise to be there with us through it. Yeah, yeah, amen. Woo. Yeah, I love that. I love how you said that you could feel his like, manifest presence around you, comforting you during that time. What a beautiful picture for us, that God's presence was with you in the midst of that. Thank you for sharing that. So some people who go through experiences like that might be tempted to turn away from God. Why didn't you, and what would you say to someone who is going through a difficult season right now? Man, when you're going through something rough, whether it's cancer, or the loss of a loved one, or, or anything, when you are struggling and 
you're suffering and you feel like you can't take another step, it's really easy to put the blame on God. And what you have to understand is that God didn't design us for suffering. That's not what he wants for us. It's not what he desires for us. He desires a relationship with us that is perfect and complete in him. And so in those moments when you're struggling, rely on him, become dependent on him. Have the same childlike dependence that you had on your parents when you were little and relied on them for everything because that's what God wants for us, is for us to rely on him, just fully rely on God. Wow, that's great words of wisdom from Ricky. Well, can we give it up for Ricky for sharing his story with us? Thank you so much, Ricky. Thank you. All right. All right, that is a tough act to follow, my friends. All right. So good, though, to hear um, from each other. It's really important for us to share our stories of testimony with each other for how God gets us through difficult stories. So be sure to share with each other how God gets you through and to just testify to God's goodness. Do that with each other. All right, so back to our scripture. So Jesus had been in prayer when he sent the disciples into the storm. And scripture doesn't tell us what he was praying about, but we can maybe make some inferences into what maybe he was, he was doing. First uh, John 2, 1 says that we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the, the righteous one. And Mark 6.48 is another gospel perspective of the same story that tells us he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So when we know that Jesus could see them, it's not a far stretch to think that Jesus, while he was praying to his father, was also probably praying for them in part of his prayer time, right? So this mountaintop prayer time gave Jesus the vantage point to see them down there. Mark tells us that he could see them struggling at the oars. So he could see them while the storm is raging, right? Which leads me to the next point. Jesus sees us in our struggle. Amen Amen is right. I love these amens that are happening. Jesus sees us. He's not far removed from us. And he promises to never leave us, to never forsake us. Our emotions are not to be trusted. They often lie to us when we are in storms in our life. Our emotions will tell us things like, where is God? They'll make us doubt that he loves us or that he even cares about us. And are we gonna trust the promises that are written in the Bible about the character of God? Things like he will never leave us or forsake us? Are we gonna gonna believe that? Or are we going to believe our emotions and the things that shift? What are we going to do when our storms come? Now, this next part of scripture, I believe, is really key because the storms of life will oftentimes stir up fear in our life. And Peter was gripped with fear. And so were the other disciples because it says when they saw Jesus, they thought he was a ghost and they were fearful. But Peter did something really interesting during this time. It says he recognized Jesus' voice. He knew Jesus. And he recognized his voice. When Jesus said, when when Jesus spoke out, uh, Peter recognized him. The voice of Jesus, the one he knew, he recognized over the circumstances of what was happening around him. 
really key to recognize Jesus' voice when things are going crazy around you. So choosing to believe the voice of Jesus over the circumstances is key because that is what made Peter step out of the boat in faith. Right? Yeah. Peter would never have done that if he hadn't recognized the voice of Jesus. When Jesus said, take courage, it is I. Peter was like, wait a minute, that's not a ghost. I know, I know who that is. If it is you, tell me to come. Come. All right. So picture this. All right. It feels like ground to me. Like I'm stepping out onto something that I know to be liquid, that I know does not make sense to do, but I'm going to trust the voice of the one that I know. Right? Over the storm around me, I'm going to trust the voice of the one I know. Peter set a really good model for us here. This is beautiful. And in faith, he asks big. If it's you, tell me to come. Ask big. Ask big. We have opportunity in the storms of life to have our faith grow, not shrink, grow. Big opportunity. And because of that, Peter experiences the supernatural and walks on water. Now granted, it was short-lived. We're not gonna focus on that. It was short-lived, but that's okay. That's okay. Peter saw the wind, it scripture tells us, which I think is a very interesting thing. Peter saw the wind. Do we see wind? No, we've all just lived through two hurricanes. You don't see wind. You see what the wind does, right? It blows other things around. But sometimes we're gripped with fear because we think something about, like, what, what is the wind doing? Well, it's blowing around other things, right? So it's the circumstances that get affected by the wind. That's what Peter was fearful of, right? Yes. Right. So Peter begins to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches out his hand and does just that. So Peter receives a personal touch from Jesus in his time of need. Another personal encounter. Number two. Isn't that incredible? He's saved from sinking. Point number three. The impossible can happen when we respond in faith rather than fear. So instead of focusing on Peter, the negative of Peter sinking, remember that Peter had two huge encounters with Jesus stepping out of the boat in faith, which required obedience, remember. Take courage, that's what Jesus said, and that's exactly what he did. And then when he doubted, he knew who to call out to in, for help. And that's what he did, and he received a personal touch from Jesus. He saved him. He touched the hand of Jesus, and he got saved by him. Isn't that beautiful? And I gotta say to you, is that not what our friend Ricky did? Jesus, where are you? He received a hug from the Holy Spirit in his time of need. That blanket that he thought when he opened his eyes, this has gotta be my wife. Nope, it's not. It was God giving him a hug, a personal touch in his time of need. Wasn't that beautiful? That's the kind of personal God that we serve. Now let me ask you this question. Did any of the other disciples have an opportunity to defy nature, to walk on water, to have a personal experience with Jesus the way that Peter did? Not that I can tell. Did they have the guts to ask what Peter asked? If it's you, tell me to come. None of them did that. 
That is the beauty of huge faith in the midst of a storm. Ask big, and why not? And then, when you mess up, and I hate to break it to y'all, we all do. We all mess up. Or maybe that's just me. Is that just me? We all mess up. And when, you, when we all mess up, yell, Jesus, save me. And know that he will. That's how amazing he is. He does it. I love that about him. Now, I just want to quickly touch on the disciples. Like I said before, they only had a sideline experience to see. They were watching in that boat. And I just want to remind you, while they're watching in this boat, which I would imagine they had to be like the deer in headlights, like, what is going on over here? They're sitting in a boat. They're watching this whole thing. The storm is still raging while they're watching what's going on with Peter and Jesus. Okay? The storm has not calmed yet. And they're watching along on the side. And they, like Peter, had come off of the same spiritual high experience. They too were sent into the same boat. They too experienced the same storm. They too were working those oars and getting nowhere. They too were gripped with fear when they thought that they saw a ghost. But unlike Peter, they did not ask to go see Jesus. They did not get to walk on water. They did not get to grab the hand of Jesus. They only watched as Peter got to experience it. But all of the disciples got to experience firsthand that the presence of Jesus changes everything. I want to say that once more because I think everybody needs to know this, no matter what storm of life you're in. The presence of Jesus changes everything. When Jesus stepped into that boat, what happened? Yes. The seas calmed and the storm stopped. The presence of Jesus changed everything. So the storm had stressed. They had tried everything that they knew how to do and nothing changed. Nothing changed until Jesus. Which brings me to my fourth point. Faith experienced teaches us that Jesus' presence changes everything. And what was their response when they experienced that Jesus' presence go into the boat? It says they worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. Whew, that is incredible. So back to my story. Wah, wah. All right, I would love to tell you that it was all sunshine and roses, but it wasn't. It was really difficult. It was really difficult. I had to continually bring my thoughts about the situation to the Lord in prayer. I had to keep asking him if, like, is now the time that I can be honest? How about now, Lord? Can now I tell her how I feel? Can now I tell her about what this has made, how, how I feel about the situation? And the Lord was like, yeah, not now. Yep, nope, not, not yet. Yep, trust me, keep trusting me. Keep bringing your feelings about the situation to me. Keep talking to me about it. So it was, it was a process. I had to repent for my bad attitude. I had to ask the Lord to change my heart. Can you imagine that? I had to keep bringing my issues to him because the only person at the end of the day that you can change is yourself. So I had to worry about me. 
Funny how the Lord does that. I had to trust that he was doing a work in me and that as he was doing a work in me, I had to trust that he was gonna do a work in her as well. And that I had to leave to him. And I am grateful to say, well, actually, before I say that, she did eventually ask for my forgiveness. But in that process, the Lord revealed to me I had to ask for her forgiveness as well. Interesting, right? So I'm grateful to say that that friendship has been fully healed and fully reconciled. And I know that if I had not been obedient, there would have been a lot more damage. So we actually are very, very close, very close. And I did share with her that I was gonna be sharing this story. And she was like, good, I'm glad. I'm glad, let, let the Lord use it for his glory. Amen. Yeah. So even further back in the beginning, I asked who likes tests? And I think we can all agree that not too many of us really enjoy them. But I, I, don't, I wanna encourage you and I, and I don't wanna leave us in the place of discouragement about tests because God uses them for our good, right? And so Zechariah 13, nine says, this third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. How beautiful is this? They are my people and they will say, the Lord is our God. In a refiner's fire, the silversmith puts the silver into the center of the fire and the silversmith keeps watch over the silver the whole entire time that it's in the fire. And there is a process in that refinement process He's waiting to watch the impurities come to the top and he keeps on removing the impurities and removing the impurities as they come to the top. He keeps on removing them and he's waiting until the refinement process in that fire is done. And the silversmith cannot take his eyes off of it. And he knows when the refinement process is done and when it's done is when he sees his reflection in that silver. And at that moment, he removes that silver from the center of the fire. That is what the scripture is talking about in that. God being the silversmith, us being the silver, put into the fire for a reason. That the impurities in us will come to the surface, he'll lovingly sweep off the top, and he's looking for his reflection in us. That's the kind of God that we have. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. There is purpose in refinement and the storms of life. We may not always understand them. We may not always like it. But we can be assured that storms will come. How will you respond? How will I respond? Will we remember that Jesus sees us? Will we remember that Jesus is with you in the storm? Will we strain while we're in the storm? Or will we be obedient to what he's asking us, allowing his greater purpose to be accomplished in us in the storm? And will we remember to press in, to feel his presence, remembering that his presence changes everything? And when you feel his presence, will you allow yourself to truly be abandoned to worship, remembering that truly he is the son of God? So the worship team is gonna come out and they're gonna sing a new song with us today. It's called Another in the Fire and it talks about the reality of when we're in the fire, that we're not alone and that when the water comes, it's not gonna overtake us. What a beautiful picture. 
So if you're experiencing a time of testing in your faith, use this time of reflection too to pray. We're gonna pray together and, and you pray. I'm gonna encourage you to pray too. If you need to pray, Lord, save me, pray that. If you need to pray, Lord, help me, pray that, right? God is with us. He is a good God. He is with us in the fire. He does not abandon us. He does not forsake us. And these are times in our lives where our faith can grow and we can ask big things. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you that you are a God who sees us. You are a God who is with us. You do not forsake Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us in the storm, that you even pray for us. We are so grateful for who you are and that you even give us experiences, that you allow us to have experiences like Peter that help us to rise above our circumstances, Lord, and have experiences with you, ones that help us know that you touch us, that you heal us, that you comfort us that you do not leave us alone in the storms of life. Lord, thank you that you refine us, that you love us enough to refine us, that you are looking to see a reflection of yourself in us. Lord, we love you. Be exalted today, Lord Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.